nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers. Interesting how we put human thinking and demonic powers on basically the same. It's a bunch of, it's the same deal, crop. It's not going to help you. But rather, build it on Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human form. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head and the ruler and authority. You are complete. You are whole. You are filled with God today, according to the Word of God. Maybe not according to your experience, but according to the revelation of God's Word. Paul wants you to know something today, that you are okay. You're okay. Why are you okay? Because sometimes I don't feel okay. Sometimes I don't look okay. The reason I'm okay is because what is behind me? Jesus made it okay. Reinhard Bonnke says, without God, all the life is a minus sign. It's a subtraction. It's loss. You lose friends. You lose health. You lose dignity. You lose. You just keep losing, don't you? Without Christ, you lose. Am I telling you the truth today? Or am I preaching better than you're listening? No, okay. You'd be a better listener than I'm a preacher this morning. But without God, life is a minor sign. But what Jesus did, he came down from heaven and he put a vertical stroke and he turned life into a plus sign. There's the biggest plus sign that you will see. Jesus will make the plus in your life. So when you come to Christ, you are circumcised, but not with the physical deal. Christ performed a spiritual operation. He cut away your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Next week, we're going to be celebrating that. With him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God. You were raised to a new deal. New opportunities, a new future, a new destiny because you trusted in power that comes from God. He raised you from the dead. You were dead. You weren't a little bit alive. No, you were dead. We were dead. If you're not in Christ, you don't yet have real life. You're breathing, but something on the inside's dead because of your sinful nature. It had not been cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ and he forgave our sins. And he counseled the record of the charges against us. And he took it away, nailing it to the cross. As Tristan and I were driving into uh, church this morning, uh, Tristan asked me, do you have enough nails? And I said, I've got about 20. He missed my joke. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. I had to explain it though, didn't I? It was a, yeah, I've got about 20 nails. And he was a bit concerned that we might have more than 20 people looking for deliverance. And he worked it out, says, well, what we could do, we could actually use one nail and nail all the sins together. We could have done that, Peter. He did a great job, thank you. And I said, well, that's actually what God did. He saved up all the sins, all the sickness, all the failure, every murder, every rape, every abortion, he saved them all up and he got out one nail called the cross 
and he staked it forever and declared paid. Now, it's really interesting because there's a little bit of Greek going on behind the background here. In the ancient world, if you had been arrested for a crime and you were taken to a Roman prison, they weren't particularly happy places. No air conditioning, would you believe? No jacuzzis, you know. The toilet was usually just a bucket. Uh, They were pretty cold, primitive places. The rats tended to like them, though. And as you went into these prisons, you would have gone down and you would have noticed as you walked down a long corridor, there would have been a cell to this side, a cell to that side. And on the door of each cell, there was actually a debt, a chirographon, it's called. This is the word here for the handwriting, the ordinances against you. There would have been a charge sheet. And written on of it would have been the things that you had done wrong. You know, this person in here is a murderer. This person here is, you know, a fornicator or whatever it might have been. And the whole list would have been written down on the door. So anybody walking into the prison would know what you're in for. You know, the soldiers wouldn't have to swap over when they did their change of duty. They would know who this person is, what they're in for. And that was called the chirograph on the writing that was against you. Most specifically, though, that word was used to describe what we call a mortgage. Anybody have a mortgage? Who loves mortgages? They are killers these days. Their mortgages be really do, um, really do feel for young couples trying to start off these days. It's such a big deal to get into that mortgage deal. Suddenly, they're working, the, you know, forever to pay interest to a bank. Really tough stuff. And so most particularly, chirograph form was a debt. And what it was is like the legal agreement you do at the bank, and you would be writing on your chirograph on, uh, I owe, you know, 50,000 drachmas to Bill. And you would sign it with your handwriting. And so if you defaulted on your bill, the soldiers could come, they could arrest you, and they would put you in prison. So outside your prison door, locked, is a chirographon with your handwriting on it saying, I owe so many thousand dollars. And you could get out any time you wanted to the moment the debt was paid. You know, if Uncle Joe, millionaire, one lotto, liked you enough, he could come down, talk to the magistrate and says, this guy owes 50,000 drachmas, can you let me and pay? And what the magistrate would do, he'd issue an order and he would go down and they would literally get a piece of chalk or charcoal and they would put a cross through the debt. And when they did that, they'd often get a seal at the same time and they'd stamp it with the word telestai. Turn to your neighbor and say telestai. The very last thing that Jesus said on the cross was Telestai. The debt is paid. Paid in full. Hallelujah. Set free. So here's the wonderful thing. When Jesus nailed it to the cross, he's saying, you've been set free. It's been paid for. So twice in two verses, Paul says to the Colossians, don't let anybody condemn you. Let me tell you again, don't let anybody condemn you. Can I say to you, don't let anybody condemn you. Don't let anybody condemn you because you are free. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. Jesus has paid the price. 
Now, look, if you're messing around, the Holy Spirit will talk to you about that. But most of the time, we are being, we fight condemnation. And it says, don't come under bondage with elementary principles of this world. It's actually referring to the ABCs. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. I have dyslexia, don't I? I wonder who wrote that tune. I'd love to kill him. <laughs> Sesame Street. Don't get caught up. These are the people who say, don't taste, don't touch, don't handle, don't, 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 don't. Condemnation, 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 condemnation. Religion, at its worst, is don't, 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 don't. And it's negative. It holds people down and it keeps them low and condemned. I want you to know, don't let anybody condemn you. Don't let anybody condemn you. I'll say it again. Don't let anybody condemn you. For there is now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. And don't you dare condemn yourself. Don't let someone else condemn you if they're don'ts. But don't let you condemn yourself as well. Because there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. The debt has been paid. Hallelujah. Uh, One of the very early presidents of the United States of America, Andrew Jackson, had an unusual case where a man by the name of George Wilson had committed an armed robbery, held up one of the little puffer huffs in the early days, little choo-choos, and he had shot a man in the meantime. And so he was in jail, he'd been tried. It was capital punishment back in those days, and so he was going to hang. But back even in those days, there was a sense of, you know, it's capital punishment, a legitimate thing for the government to do. And I'm not going to get into that topic right now, but there was even back, you know, 250 years ago, the beginning of the American colony, some pressure that we should be more merciful and let's not kill the man, let's give him a pardon. So Andrew Jackson actually issued a pardon for George Wilson. So it was all done, it was written out, went down and went down to the cells and said to George Wilson, guess what? The President of the United States of America has declared a pardon and you are permitted to go free. George Wilson was suffering from guilt and condemnation. Whilst he'd done a very bad thing, he was actually a man who'd fallen on hard times, had a wife who'd become sick, and he needed a lot of money to try and pay for her medical expenses, and it was out of a moment of desperation And even the shooting was an accident. He had taken a gun. It was wrong and all the rest. We're not trying to mitigate the fact someone died. But what he was struggling with now is, I am a murderer. I have killed someone. I deserve to die. It is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And so he said, I don't want to be pardoned. I want you to carry out the sentence. And now the authorities have a problem. You know, do I take him out now and shoot him? I've got a presidential pardon here, and here's this guy who says, I don't want the pardon. So it was then a legal issue. They had lawyers back there. God bless the lawyers. And so they took it to the Supreme Court of America, one of the very early decisions, to decide what's the deal here. We have a presidential pardon. Can we now force him? Do we send the... 
soldiers into the jail and we literally drag him out of the jail and then boot him out and say, go away, go away, you're pardoned. Or do we actually carry out the sentence? And the Supreme Court of America said this, that a pardon is only legal if when granted is also accepted. Unless you accept the pardon, the law will still take place. George Wilson died because of guilt, because of condemnation, because for some reason he didn't feel that he deserved the pardon. He rejected the pardon. And here's the amazing, brain-shattering, stunning, amazing thing. And it's got nothing to do with Easter bunnies and chocolate eggs. This is what's happened. God has given a pardon to every man, every woman, every child on planet Earth. Hallelujah. Absolutely amazing. But sadly, people are still sitting in their prison cells. The door's actually been opened up. The keys have been thrown away. And the charge sheet on the door, someone's actually come along, put a cross through it, and it said, paid in full. The blood of Jesus washes away all sin. It's been paid in full. Absolutely clean. Washed away. Washed away. And some of us still sit in prisons, not able to say, yes, I accept God's free offer of life, of freedom, of pardon. We sit there under condemnation. And religion sometimes, sadly, at its worst, traps people in a cycle of guilt and condemnation. You know, Jesus hates religion. You know, it was actually religion that killed Jesus because he came with this message to religious people. And you know how religious people responded to that was? Well, how dare he say that we can let prostitutes into the kingdom of God? How dare you say we can let drunkards into the kingdom? How dare you say that? People have got to be perfect. Well, thank God he takes people like me. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for that old rugged cross. And uh, let's just pray. Father, we do thank you for Good Friday. Lord, what could have been called Bad Friday or Black Friday, Lord, got changed to Good Friday because so many people came to understand why it was good. Lord, because on Sunday, (laughs) on Sunday, everything changes. And you stand up, Lord, risen and resurrected the Prince of Life with the keys of death and hell in your hands. And, Lord, you say, to less die, paid in full, victorious freedom. And, Lord, for all who hear the message of all accept your pardon, Lord, we can have and experience that freedom. And just while your heads are bowed, I just want to give a short moment here. If you're a visitor with us this morning and you've not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I have preached the gospel as I understand it to the best of my ability. But it's clear now. It's clear there is a pardon for you. There is freedom for you. And all you've got to do is say, yeah, I I would like that. I don't want to continue to be trapped in my cell, my little prison of pain, forgiveness, selfishness. They all have different prisons. But if that's you today, I would love to pray with you. We're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to invite you to join a church. 
we are here to invite you to meet Jesus. If that's you this morning, if you'd say, Pastor, would you quickly pray for me? Then would you be very brave and kindly just put up your hand, just stick it straight up in the air and put it straight down again. I'll see that. I'm going to pray for you. If that's you this morning, I'll see a hand there. God bless you. You may put that down. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Someone else is going to join. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. And if you'd mind just, if you just leave your hand up temporarily for a minute because we want to just give you something you can take with you as you go home. We've got a Bible and just some stuff that will help you. So please don't leave without getting that. So Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the great message that you so love the world that you gave your only special son, that, Lord, no one should perish. And that includes these people this morning that have said, save me. Lord, it includes them that no one should perish, but have freedom, life, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we give you praise, Lord, that these lost souls have become children of God this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The angels are very happy. They're eating Easter eggs right now. Let's have the band up. We'll have our last song. God bless you. Let me just remind you that on Sunday morning, we have our normal service here at 10 a.m. There is also an ecumenical service at 6.30 a.m. In the park, Minnewara Park at the gazebo. It's a combined churches event. So it's not something that we're doing as a local church, but something where all the churches in the area come. And the reason that we do it at sunrise is because it's, that's when Jesus, that's when the sun, it's, it's rocket science, isn't it? It's when the sun rises. <laughs> so God bless you. Thank you for coming. Um, I would like a happy song. But I'll let you choose which happy song you like. <laughs> Blessed life, happy song. Uh, lots of happy songs. But... Save it up for tomorrow. Okay. So, blessed. so blessed is good. I'm blessed. Are you blessed? <laughs>